this one works. Thanks, Spence, for leading us through that. Um, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Second Peter chapter three, we're going to wrap up this study in Second Peter tonight. Um, as Spencer said, that uh, that document um, it will be in your email before the end of this service. Um, and um, if you're not going to get an email, or if you really like hard copies, then you can grab one right up here beside the tithes and offering bucket uh, before you head out. Um, also, uh, as you're turning to Second Peter, wanted to remind you. I feel like I had to do this like a lot as a student pastor to tell the students, hey, we're not going to be here next time because of some kind of holiday or something going on. All right. So if you come here uh, next Sunday, nobody's going to be here. Don't be shocked. We are still having church, but it's going to be there. So fall festival next Sunday. We're super excited about that. Uh, be praying over that and, and for that event. Um, because we know that uh, as we seek to serve the community of Andrews, we know God's going to work through that, and it's going to be super fun. I mean, from three to five, we're going to have games. It's going to feel like a festival. Um, I talked with a company in Murphy, and they're bringing a bounce house that's as large as, like, the, the Super Coop. It's called Monkey Joe, which I'm excited about. I mean, it's, uh, so it's going to be good, but we could have races as, through the obstacle course. Um, yeah, and, uh, and so we'll get to, to do that together and love in the community and, um, and hear the word together and the gospel will be presented and we'll get to eat together. I don't know what's more exciting than that on a Sunday, you know, all those things together. Um, so tonight is kind of bittersweet, man. Um, we're going to say adios to the Petrine epistles and we're going to um, <laughs> we're gonna put a bow on this study. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of bittersweet because it's been really, really, really rich. Um, I was talking with um, a buddy recently, and, and we, were, we were just going through the, the text. And, and honestly, I've never studied First and Second Peter this in depth. And there is so much in there. You know, like, um, and I feel like if we just went, like, we just rewinded and, and did this whole study again, we would all still get something else out of it, which is the beauty of God's word. And so um, even though this, this is a really short book. Like Second Peter's only three chapters. Um, I think when Zach opened up um, the intro to Second Peter, he said, read this just straight through, you know, a couple times through this study. It'll take 10 minutes. Like it's a really short book, but it's super, super rich. There's a lot that's packed in it. And so, um, and just a quick recap, sentence recap for First Peter, we know that, that he's writing to followers of Jesus who are suffering, they are exiles, like they're, they're, they're seeking to live a holy life, right, in, in, their, in their time of suffering, in their exile, um, and they have a living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope, and that's what Peter was trying to communicate in that first letter. In this second letter, he's warning those believers about false teachers and how we, need, we have everything we need for life and godliness while we wait for Jesus to come back. And that's something we've been focusing on over the past few Sundays and, and thinking about is the patience of the Lord and waiting for Jesus to come back. So in 1 Peter, we get this final greeting at the end of chapter 5. And then in 2 Peter, we get the final words at the end of chapter 3. And so these are the very last words that the Apostle Peter ever penned to the churches. Right? So this is super, super important. There's a lot of weight on these two verses. Right? And so let's pray before we dive into the text together. Father, tonight we long to hear from you. We want to know you more, and we need your spirit to speak to us. 
You are our wonderful counselor. You are our mighty God, and we need you to speak to us. We need your word. We need you to increase the capacity of our mind and our hearts to hear and know and understand you. So I ask that right now that you would speak and do what only you can do in our hearts and in our minds as you unite us together and we come to know more about you and how you want to use us here for our remaining time on this earth. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, look with me in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17. It says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So Peter's closing thoughts are, are found um, in these two verses. We're only doing two verses tonight, super short. Um, his final words began in verse 14, actually, which Peter uh, Brody talked about last uh, Sunday. And he's using the, the same two words. If you look at, go back and look at verse 14, he says, Therefore, beloved. And here he's saying it again, right? And, and so we are in a time of waiting, right? God's patience leads to repentance. So we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Our lives should be lived in, in reverent fear, godliness, and holiness as we wait. But these are his final, final, final words. And he uses therefore again in verse 17, which is a little strange. He, he's, using it, he's using it and saying this is the conclusion, because of everything I've said in First, Sec- First Peter and Second Peter, this is the conclusion. And then he uses a, a word of endearment as he refers to his audience as beloved, beloved for the second time. Remember, he's talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. These are believers. They're faithful followers of Jesus. They're elect. They're the aliens and strangers in the earth. And so Peter, this great elderly fisherman turned apostle, Right, I was as I was um, reading and studying, I was reflecting and, and thinking back on on Peter had to be like remembering when Jesus commissioned him to go take care of his people. Jesus Jesus called this man of selfishness out of selfishness and and created a servant leader, and and said, "Go feed my sheep." And so Peter here is showing his tender heart for feeding the Lord's sheep. He's talking to his beloved right before his execution. And so this is, this is extremely important to verses. And the phrase there in 17 that says, take care, can be translated to mean be on guard. Be on guard. Peter is saying, if you aren't on guard, then you'll be more susceptible to fall to false teaching. If you don't stay guarded up, then you will not stand firm in your faith and you'll lose your own stability. And the phrase Peter uses for what can happen when we aren't on guard and when we don't take care is frightening. Look at it. It says that you are not carried away from, with the error of lawless people. So when I was about eight or, um, eight or ten, eight, nine or ten, something like that, I was young. Um, me and my brother, when we went on vacation, we would love to go boogie boarding. Has anybody been boogie boarding? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. You would have that, that board, and it was like Velcro strapped to your wrist. And, and so we would go, and we'd love to boogie board the waves. And, uh, and um, oftentimes the waves would, it's a very humbling experience because they would slam you into the sand, you know, and, and just rip that, all that off. And so we'd end up without the boogie board. It's off somewhere else. And then we were like, we're just going to body surf. So we'd body surf the waves, you know, and, um, and I was a decent swimmer, you know, but I mean, as an eight, nine, 10 year old, how strong can you be? And, and so I remember this one time when we were body surfing and um, I got sucked out in a rip current. 
all right? And it was the most, I was, I was in, I had no control over my body, right? And it just literally carried me away, like immediately. And if my brother and dad wouldn't have been near and weren't stronger than me and, and, and went after me and pulled me out of that, I might not be standing here today, you know? And, and so I thought about that as I was reading this, um, and, and as a loving elder brother, Peter, to many a father in the faith, is warning believers then and now to not be carried away. He, he's longing for his brothers and sisters to stand firm, stable in their faith, guarded up. Why? So that they could finish strong. Stand firm so that you can finish strong. So the first point for the night is very simple. Stay on guard to finish strong. We want to be able to finish strong, but we don't stay on guard. We can be carried away. And we, and we can't take a break. We've talked about this multiple times. You can't take a break from faith. You can't take a break from pursuing the Lord. And, and you can't take a break from putting your guard up. Otherwise, we're going to be swept away if we're not paying attention, if we're not being vigilant. So if we don't fight against the current of our culture, we will drift away from godliness. And we'll, we'll, we'll drift away from being steadfast in the faith. We've been warned multiple times to be vigilant, be on guard, finish strong. And so we got to stay on guard to finish strong. Look with me at verse 18. This is going to be quick tonight, I told you. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter closes his letter with this final verse, which is connected to how he opened the letter. In 2 Peter 1 Verses two through three, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own excellence and glory. So Peter bookends this letter with an emphasis on knowing God and living godly lives for God's glory. So point number two is grow in grace. That's what it says in the verse grow in grace growing in grace and maybe grace be multiplied to you is made apparent and applicable in increasing dimensions in our lives through the knowledge of Christ we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone as a one commentator uh, David Helm said this while we are saved by faith alone our faith must grow if we are to keep from falling through while traveling home the Christian life is a long journey and we are not there yet that's true for every single one of us. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, no matter where you are in your season of life, we're not there yet. Nobody has fully arrived, right? And so Peter knew how long of a journey it was walking with Jesus. And he knew how difficult it was to continue following Jesus after Jesus ascended back to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit. Peter experienced the grace of Jesus firsthand. He knew that we needed more grace. If Peter needed more grace, I need more grace, right? We needed grace in the past, we need grace in the present, and we need grace in the future. We will always need God's grace. In, in Titus 2, 11, Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness or say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So the same grace that saves is the grace that trains us to live godly lives day by day. The same grace that saves is the grace that motivates us to live for God's glory and not to live selfishly right now. We can never stop growing in grace. 
We need grace. And we, we know that we need grace. If you, if, you, if you think you don't need grace, then we need to have a conversation. But we all need grace. We all need to grow in grace. So you might be asking, well, how, how do we grow in grace? What does that look like? That's a great question. And that's why Peter didn't stop at grace. But he added, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So point one, stay on guard to finish strong. Point two, grow in grace. And from the answer to the question of how do we stay on guard and grow in grace comes the third point, grow in knowledge of Jesus. Grow in knowledge of Jesus. In our Red Oak membership covenant, it states, I feel like this is super fresh in my mind because I just went through the membership class and I was able to read all this stuff. And so that's why I keep bringing it up. But listen to how beautiful this sentence is. We will honor the commands of Scripture and the leadership of this church by assuming individual responsibility to know Christ deeply and his word richly in a reproducible way. we, We could just break this down and go through it. But like, did you notice it said individual? We have individual responsibility to know Jesus deeply. Like, I can't read the Bible for you. None of the elders can study the word for you, right? And a lot of people would think, like, if I come to church on Sunday, then I'm going to be strong enough to face the rest of of the days. We we don't ever do that in our normal life, right? We're not like, all right, I'm going to eat one meal on Sunday, and I'm going to be strong enough to go the next seven days. Nobody thinks like that. Nobody does that. Right? So why would we do that when it comes to the word of God? We have an individual responsibility to know Christ deeply and his word richly in a reproducible way. Peter realized that faithful followers of Jesus are continuously growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew this as well. Right? That's why he had one ambition, as he stated in his letter to the believers in Philippi, when he said, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. And then a few verses later, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So if Peter and Paul, who literally walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and saw Jesus face-to-face post-resurrection, knew that they needed to grow more in grace and knowledge of Jesus, how much more do we? Right? We can never get bored with knowing Jesus. We can never get over the gospel. We can never get used to Jesus. It's very dangerous if we get to a point in time where we are. We're we're used to that. Well, I've heard that before. We've read that a passage a thousand times. That's very dangerous. I was talking to a young man recently who went on a date hike with a young lady. Yes, I said date hike. Because if you go on a day hike with just one other person of the opposite sex, then that's a date it's not just a hike, right? And, and so um, he, he went on and on about how they had spent 12 hours together the whole day, you know, and the whole time their entire conversation was just about Jesus and the gospel and the Great Commission and how to fulfill it. And I was like, that's awesome, bro, you know? This weekend, I and mean, we, we should talk about Jesus a lot, right? This weekend at the marriage conference, I was talking with some of my friends who are up here, and we were talking about how one of the most beautiful moments of the weekend is when we, we have over 300 married people in the room side by side singing, nothing is better than you. Nothing is better than you. 
Worshiping the Lord. Jesus, you're my everything. You're all that I need. Nothing is better than you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That truly, nothing's better than knowing Jesus. I got a phone call from a, a young man who um, I was discipling back in Winston. He plays baseball at UNC uh, Greensboro. And he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but he called and, and he, had, he had hit rock bottom. He was a fairly new believer. Um, uh, and I discipled him for a little while before he moved up here. Um, and uh, and he, said, he said, man, he said, I hit rock bottom. I said, like, what happened, bro? He said, Megan dumped me. He had put all of his eggs in the Megan basket. And when Megan said bye, his life was over. Like he, he, was, he, was, he was a 220-pound baseball player that could squat 400 pounds. He lost 25 pounds because he was depressed. He started failing his classes because this girl left him. And he was like, bro, I took, I took my eyes off Jesus. I stopped reading the Bible. I removed myself from fellowship. And I was like, bro, I said, I love Allie. But if Allie dies, my world's not over. Because she's not my world. Jesus is everything. Not even your spouse. I was like, you weren't even married to this chick. You know, like, why are y'all making decisions together? <laughs> like, you're in college, man. <laughs> like, focus on Jesus and baseball in school. Um, but, but no, yeah, in, in that order. Right? No, no. <laughs> so knowing Jesus, right, with this kid who's dating, you know, when you're in college, when you're, when you're married, with you, if you've known Jesus for a long time, knowing Jesus can be intoxicating. And it should. It, it, could, it, could, it should take over everything in our lives, Right? It should, when you're intoxicated by some other substance, you come under the influence of that thing, right? We should be under the influence of Christ all the time. Like all the time in everything that we do. Understanding that, that it's not more intellectual knowledge that we're trying to, that's not what Peter's talking about. Right? He's, not, he's not talking about gaining more facts about Jesus. There's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. There's a huge difference. Let me give you an example. Um, so growing up, I went to West Forsyth High School in Clemens, North Carolina. That's the same high school that the current NBA star, Chris Paul, went to, right? And he, he's arguably going to be in the Hall of Fame for one of the best point guards of all time, right? And so um, you might know him as CP3, um, and he was on the varsity team when I was on JV in high school. So he's a couple years older than me, um, and I could tell you a lot about his career, Okay, I could tell you, um, I could actually take you to the house where he grew up in, a little one brick house in Clemens. I could tell you about his family, his mom and dad. I, I remember being in the gym um, when he chose uh, Wake Forest University to go play basketball in college. I could tell you how he excelled at every single level in basketball from middle school to high school to AAU to college to then in the pros. I could tell you when he got drafted, tell you about his, his career. I know a lot of things about Chris Paul. Does that mean that I know him or that he knows me? No, it doesn't. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. 
having a relationship with someone. So the knowledge that Peter and Paul are talking about is, is intimate relational knowledge, a relationship with a living God who knows you and loves you and who satisfies your soul. Jesus alone is an inexhaustible well that we can and should go to to drink deeply all the time. The more you know him, the more you love him, the more you love him, the more you'll want to live with him and for him. Right, think about your marriage. Think about your, your um, relationship with your spouse. If you're not married, just think about your future. What if on your wedding day, at the honeymoon, you said to your spouse, I'm done getting to know you because we just got married. That, that's, a, that's sadly how some people treat their union with Christ. They got saved and they stopped pursuing Jesus to get to know him more. If we love our spouse, we, we will strive to get to know them more and more. We'll spend time with them, right? But because of our love for Jesus, we should want to know him more and more and more. To reach greater heights in any relationship, we must put in effort, right? You got to put in effort. Relationships take work to maintain and foster intimacy. It's not easy. Remember um, back in chapter 1, 2 Peter Right, this is one of, one of the, our favorite verses in Second Peter, was for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Right, the results of, of climbing that ladder is greater heights in your relationship with Jesus. That's why in verse eight it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So clearly, Peter puts an emphasis on knowing Jesus and longs for his beloved to grow, to be fruitful, to be effective. Because this is true. It, it, it progresses like this. Bible study and prayer leads to knowing God. Knowing God leads to loving God. Loving God leads to living with God and looking back on your life and leveraging your life for God's glory. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus also said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So knowing God, loving Jesus, leads to worship and obeying him. You're, you'll, have a, you'll lead a lifestyle of worship and obedience to Christ. You'll leverage your life living on mission for the glory of Jesus. One commentator said, to love God, we must know God. Bible study leads to praise. Theology leads to praise, or it should. Peter's bookending his letter with an emphasis on knowing God. This is super profound for us. This knowing God and growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus leads to worship. And that's why Peter's final words in the last sentence of this letter is a doxology. Look at it with me. One sentence. To him be the glory, both now, in the present, and to the day of eternity. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful doxology. So our fourth and final point is praise Jesus all the way home. Praise him all the way home until you arrive, until you get there. And, and uh, one of his songs, the rapper, theologian, pastor, Shai Lin, said this. Theology, I'm not going to rap it for you. I know, I know you wanted me to, but I'm sorry, I can't. Theology 
is the study of God, and it's very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So in theology, we seek to know God. In doxology, we seek to praise God because we know him. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology. If theology doesn't lead to doxology, then we've actually missed the point of theology. So if you have theology, listen to this. This is so spot on. If you have theology without doxology, you just have dead, cold orthodoxy, which is horrible, right? On the other side, we have people who say, oh, forget theology. I just want to praise. But if we have doxology without theology, we actually have idolatry because it's just a random expression of praise, but it's not actually informed by the truth of who God is. Isn't this incredible? So God is concerned with both. He's concerned with an accurate understanding of him, and that accurate understanding of him leads to a response of praise, adoration, and worship towards him. That's awesome. We need both, theology and doxology. It's not about just gaining a bunch of intellectual facts, but it's about knowing God, knowing who he is. If we know who he is, then it will lead to, to our affections being changed. If, if your head is being changed by increased knowledge of him, then, and this, goes, this, this happens in relationships. You spend more time with people, right? If you listen to them, actually, and you engage with them in conversation, you're going to think about them more often. If you pray for them, right, you're going to think about them even more. And then what happens? Your, your affections and your heart starts to change towards that person that you've spent time with, that you've talked to, that you've listened to. Why? Because you've invested in that relationship. And so when your head and your heart are changed, then that moves your hands. And that moves your life. And so when we increase in in knowledge, our affections are changed, which then change how we live our lives, and we we would live that out. A major part of making every effort that Peter is talking about is engaging in the Word and talking to the Lord. You get to know somebody by spending quality time with them, by actually listening to them when they're talking and not thinking about how you're going to respond, right? And then actually talking to them. So Once again, Bible study and prayer leads to knowing God. Knowing God leads to loving God. Loving God leads to living with God and looking back on your life, having leveraged your life for God's glory. Pastor and commentator Tony Marita put it this way. What what is your main business in life? Is it success? Is it to make more money? Is it to get married, have kids, to be entertained? Everything in life flows from this fountain knowing Christ. Everything, everything in life life flows from this fountain, knowing Christ. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for on this earth is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Truly, knowing Jesus changes absolutely everything. So whatever problems or trials or suffering you're facing now, it's not too big for God to handle. That's why Peter's trying to remind his brothers and sisters of this. And, and us today, whatever you're facing today, whatever you face this past week, whatever you're going to face in the future, all of the unknowns, knowing God is bigger 
He can handle it. We're not, we might not be able to, but he can handle it. I know a pastor um, a few months ago, he texted a family member because they were going through a hard time and, he's, and they experienced some loss and he's expressing sympathy and, and he, he's, he's saying, hey, I'm praying for you guys. You need anything? This is the response he got in a text message. I'm just gonna read it because it's not long. Thanks. The tomb is empty. The rest is small stuff. Thanks. The tomb is empty. The rest is small stuff. Like what a heavenly perspective, right? Like that person had their eyes fixed on Jesus. They're living hope. They weren't, they weren't focused on, on the things they couldn't control or things that had happened, right, in the past. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God's given us grace in the past. He is giving us grace right now as we sit in this room. And he has future grace for us as we grow closer to Jesus. This grace and knowledge of Jesus leads us to worshiping Jesus because he is glorious. And we will. We will worship Jesus now and we will glorify his name forever. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds. Lord, we long to know you more. I pray that you would, you would grant us a greater understanding of your word and of your ways. And as we read your word, as we spend time with you, as we hear your word taught, as we spend time with you in the wee hours of the morning, as we spend time with you at night, when, when no one else is around, when no one else is calling, when no one else is texting, I pray that we would be quiet and we would listen to you. And as you speak, I pray that we would get to know you more. And as we grow in grace, as we grow in knowledge, that our lives would be so fixed on you, Jesus, that we would live with such adoration and worship towards you because you are worthy and that we would be so focused on your mission, that life is so much bigger than what we're going through, that you're doing so much more all the time. You never stop working. We just want to know you more. We want to be closer to you. And so this is our prayer. May we stand firm in the faith that you have given us. May we grow in grace. May we grow in knowledge. And may we praise you all the way home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.